0: All right, Bennies and Johnnies, uh, welcome to the first episode of the Theology on Tap-inspired podcast, Theo on Tape, where we look to have conversations uh, about the most relevant topics in practicing our faith in the real world. I am Logan Edwards. And I'm I'm Rihanna
1: Doyle and we are both student members of the SJU faith team. We're so glad you've tuned in. And today we have an awesome conversation planned with moral theologian, Father Nicholas Becker, OSB on voting with your moral conscience.
0: In an election season that seems uh, so divisive and for lack of a better term, pretty nasty, um, putting a vote forward that accurately represents one's moral values seems nearly impossible. Uh, So today, Father Becker will help us navigate the rather Po- rocky political climate, so we can vote morally and responsibly, uh, regardless of what your political affiliation is.
1: Father Becker is an assistant professor of theology here at St. John's University, where he's also a member of the monastic community. He received his Bachelor of Arts from the University of Notre Dame, went to seminary at St. Minrad School of Theology in Rockport, Indiana, and then completed his doctoral studies at Lateran University in Rome, Italy. He has done research within Catholic moral theology, making him more than capable of giving us good advice on this topic.
0: So we'd like to thank you, Father Becker, uh, for being willing to have this discussion with us. Uh, So first, could you give us a little description of your field of research, specifically in moral theology and what in particular uh, relates to exercising our right to vote?
2: Sure, I, I think I can do that. Thank you, Logan and Rihanna. I'm, I'm happy to be with you for the conversation this morning that uh, I spoke on Theology on Tap, I think, a year ago. And I was also there was a joint uh, Theology on Tap and Politics in a Pint in the 2016 election cycle. So I've given a version of this talk before, as it were. Uh, so to answer your question, my field of study within uh, theological ethics or Christian ethics or moral theology, whatever you, want to talk, whatever you want to call it, really focuses on virtue ethics, which is an ethical approach which focuses not so much on the moral act, that is, you know, if I tell a lie, but rather how the moral act affects my character. What kind of person am I becoming if I tell a lie? And uh, in my doctoral dissertation, uh, I focused a great deal on the thought of John Henry Newman and, uh, you know, great, you know, 19th century figure uh, in the English Catholic Church and uh, Stanley Hauerwas, a great 20th century kind of thinker, uh, not directly in the Catholic tradition, but strongly influenced by it in his thinking. And conscience was a prominent theme in my doctoral dissertation. So and whenever we talk about voting, we're talking about conscience. So uh, uh, hopefully I can speak to your questions in a semi-informed way. Um,
1: So can you tell us a little bit about what it means um, when you mentioned conscience and how we use that when we're voting?
2: uh, Sure. So uh, conscience... I mean, I think perhaps a poor notion of conscience is sometimes in moral debates, people play the conscience card. (laughs) That is to say that I'm following my conscience, and therefore what I'm doing must be okay. Uh, uh, And in the Catholic tradition, that's not really how conscience is understood. However, in the Catholic tradition, it must be said that conscience is essential conscience is that faculty of reason it's a judgment of reason ultimately though there is an intuitive feature to conscience as well it's the judgment of reason that helps me look at what i what i'm doing what i did or what i'm proposing to do and to make a judgment about its moral quality so if I'm following my conscience, if I'm considering you know, lying, to my, uh, uh, lying to my students <laughs> later today, I mean, I have to say, you know, is, is this right? I mean, is this, is this appropriate? And when we talk about conscience and voting, it's essential because at least uh, for the Catholic church in this country, uh, uh, the Catholic church never tells people how to vote. <laughs> it will never endorse a candidate. It will never endorse a political party what it will do is it will give principles so that Catholics or any person of goodwill really can form their conscience with care and then with an informed conscience make a prudential judgment as to how to to vote. I, I think in modern history, we can probably say where there are spots in the world mainly in the developing world in the last 50 years where the Catholic church has taken a more active role in elections, usually because the church is the most trusted party in that country or that trusted group in that country. But in this country, we never ever do that. That uh, no official representative of the church should ever endorse a candidate or political party. We
0: lift up principles that help people make informed decisions. So kind of building off of that, talking about a voter building their conscience, are there any certain specific resources that people should consult when trying to develop a conscience before they vote, whether it's uh, educating themselves on candidates or issues?
2: Well, funny you should ask, because uh, uh, it usually happens both on the local level and on the national level. On the national level, every four years, the year before a presidential election, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops will provide a document called Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, a Call to Political Responsibility. And I don't know if in the liner for the notes of your show, we can probably provide a link to that document if it would be helpful for people. Also, almost certainly local bishops provide additional guidance that are appropriate for their state. So bishop, uh, the local bishop here in St. Cloud, Bishop Kettler, provided a wonderful letter just within the last week kind of helping the people of his diocese to uh, uh, kind of implement uh, uh, faithful citizenship. And it really, if you look at faithful citizenship, even a brief summary, it lifts up some of the key values that uh, Catholics and all people of goodwill should have in mind uh, as they approach the ballot box.
1: So are there any automatic like, disqualifiers for a candidate's stance on certain issues or certain issues that should be most influential in someone looking to vote morally?
2: That's a great question. Uh, to, to the first or set of questions, to the first question, if there are any disqualifying issues, to be honest, I would have to leave that to the sanctuary of the voter's conscience that she would have to make that decision if there's a candidate who embraces a position that she simply cannot in good conscience tolerate and vote for. What I can say, if you look at forming consciences for faithful citizenship, it does in a particular way lift up the life issues and among the life issues, it does rather understandably give, give a certain preeminence to the issue of abortion, simply because if you do not secure the right to life, there are, no, I mean, you can't really talk about any other rights. However, having said that, abortion is not the only life issue. That we're in the middle of a global pandemic, healthcare is certainly a critical issue. Uh, we've seen just in the last six months, America's original sin rear its ugly head yet again. Racism is certainly a life issue. Uh, the federal government has started to execute people again. The death penalty is certainly a life issue. And we have the perennial life issues, care for the poor, care for the immigrant. Uh, abortion does take a certain preeminence among the life issues, but it is
0: far from the only life issue. So... If somebody's looking to, um, you know, they want to act morally with all they have, are they obligated to vote if they don't think a certain candidate fits all of their moral qualifications? Like, is it okay to just sit out for a certain election cycle or are we obligated to vote?
2: So I would say that there's a moral obligation to participate in the political process and I would say that I, I mean I, I'm uncomfortable with the phrase "there's a moral obligation to vote," uh, uh, and the reason why I'm uncomfortable is normally I would say yes. But for example, we're in a global let's say we're in a global pandemic right now, and let's say you're in a state where uh, mail-in voting is not really a realistic possibility, uh, and you're at high risk for the virus. I'm not necessarily gonna say you're morally obliged to stand in line somewhere and, or you're quarantined or isolated. I mean, I'm not necessarily gonna say that you're in a position where you're morally obligated to vote. I would say no political party, at least in the United States, to be honest with you, I don't think there's a comfortable home for the Catholic voter because each party platform takes positions that the Catholic church would have strong objections to. Uh, 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 so pro- voting always has to be a prudential judgment. What I would say to the person who asked the question you did that, look, I I would like to vote none of the above. So I'd just like not to participate. Well, I would say a couple things. First of all, that it's not just the presidency you're voting for, that uh, if you can't vote for either candidate, leave that space blank or write someone in who you are comfortable voting for. Uh, But there are all sorts of down ballot candidates and initiatives. So I would really encourage someone who asked the question you did that even if you're not comfortable with either major candidate, I don't think that excuses you from voting. If you've got great concerns for your safety, I think you can probably make an argument for dispensation from voting there, but uh, normally you are obliged to vote.
1: So one final question today, how do you feel called to continue your work in this strange time? And how would you call on CSB SJU students?
2: So let me answer the second part first, because I'm so glad that in your introduction to the podcast, you mentioned what a mean, nasty political season we're in for various reasons. In addition to forming consciences for faithful citizenship, the US bishops have an initiative they started in the last year, 18 months called Civilize It. That uh, uh, we know that people of all sorts of political uh, persuasions and no persuasions at all, identify as Catholics. So hopefully the the discourse in the Catholic Church should be a model of civility and goodwill, even when there is passionate and deep disagreement over political issues. Again, I believe the initiative is called Civilize It. I encourage you to Google that, and I think there's a, a pledge of civility on that website to do that, that make sure that your political discourse, and do have political discourse, politics and Catholic social teaching, is a noble vocation. Get involved in the political process, but just be models of civility. So I would lift that up to our students as something to be aware of. I guess to come back to your first question, how do I feel called to continue my work? I would say a couple things. I mean, uh, just in my teaching, I have to say, I've been so impressed by uh, the monastic value that's used as the good zeal of our students. Uh, uh, students seem to intuitively understand, uh, uh, most of them at least in a teaching format, that we're operating kind of an extraordinary time. So, I mean, uh, I've seen students, the goodwill and the good zeal from our students has been really impressive. How do I feel called to continue? I, we need to make it through this as well as we can. Uh, 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 we need to make it work. We need to make it work that uh, even on, you know, students on my dorm floor at our opening of the year meeting, one of the things I said is I feel terrible for our students that we just happen to be in a once in a hundred year global pandemic. During their undergraduate career. I mean, we have stuff to, and that's just us, you know, with the people. This says nothing about the people who are deeply ill or people who are out of work or have really been affected by this directly. But we have to acknowledge to our students that there's real loss in their lives that this is happening. So we need to look out for for each other. I'm deeply concerned about the students who are feeling isolated and alone because of what social distancing requires. We need to make sure that no one is forgotten, uh, and we need to make sure that we get through this, that uh, we make it work. Uh, uh, it's very practical, but uh, I think it's the best thing we can do right now. We're gonna have years to reflect on what this period in world history meant uh, and how it changed our every aspect of our culture. But right now, let's just look after each other, especially the most vulnerable, and let's make it through.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Father Becker, for have, taking time and talking with us. Um, we will we'll get those resources from you and send them in the description below. So be sure to click on those uh, and inform your conscience if you want uh, before we get to Election Day. Uh, so these are going to be critical discernments that we uh, are, have to go through in order to make a well-informed vote. So thank you so much, Father Becker, for your guidance to our students and to our community. You're very welcome. Vote thoughtfully, everybody.
1: (laughs) Thanks to all who tuned in to our first Theology on Tape conversation. We're excited for many more just like it. So keep following SJU Faith on Instagram and Facebook for more information on new episodes headed your way soon. Bye.